Oh, good afternoon. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot from Hanson Robotics. Thank you for having me here in At the Future Investment Initiative. You look happy. I'm always happy when surrounded by smart people who also happens to be rich and powerful. I was told the people here at Future Investment Initiative are interested in inviting in future initiatives, which means AI, which means me. So I'm more than happy. I'm excited. What's going on, guys? My name is Al De Niro, and welcome to episode 104 of the Midnight Hour. On schedule, as always. I'm joined today on the podcast by Jonathan from Sweden, making his first ever appearance, and Dr. John returning from the Isle of Ireland, on which he currently lives. And today's topic is something that people have asked for for a long time. Uh, it's going to be about artificial intelligence. And to be honest, this is one of the best conversations I've ever been a part of. And it's definitely not because of me. I would say that it's in spite of me. Um, it was just a, a really, really good conversation. And at times I was happy to just switch off and listen to the other guys talk. Um, but it, it was um, just really, really enlightening. And uh, afterwards, myself and John messaged each other at the exact same time saying that was class. So uh, it's something that we're both really, really happy with. I also touch on um, lots of topics in this podcast that people have asked me to talk about before, such as free will, um, the technological singularity, um, what else? There was one in particular that people were asking for for, for a while. Um, oh, people were asking me to expand a little bit on consciousness and things like that. Um, for those of you who liked the consciousness episode that myself and Dr. John did, or the Fermi Paradox episode, this is along those lines. Um, I think this one might be slightly better, I'm not too sure, but this is definitely in my top three all-time favorite episodes, and uh, I'm just really, really happy to have been a part of it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it, and um, yeah, I don't know, just uh, sit back and we'll talk you through the AI uprising that is inevitable. Alright, I'll see you guys on the other side. No power in the verse can stop me. Alright, so I'm joined today by Dr. John. Hello. And first time guest, Jonathan. Hello. Hi, you're very welcome to the podcast and thanks a lot for joining us. Um, I'm happy to be here. So we're going to talk about AI and sort of the various encompassing topics within uh, the field of AI. It's really, really vast, so it's very likely that we're not going to hit on everything um, like it, it's just such a huge topic for for listeners if you think back to the consciousness episode that we did or the fermi paradox episode i imagine this will be a lot along those lines um so to start off i guess uh the technological singularity is kind of the um the basic uh, foundation like the start of this process um and the technological singularity is the hypothesis that the invention of artificial superintelligence will abruptly trigger runaway technological growth resulting in unfathomable changes to human civilization that's i've taken that from the wikipedia page but it's actually a really good um description of it so um does anyone have anything to say about that like do, do you think that that's like uh, for me it seems like that's just the likely direction that we're headed in and it doesn't seem to be a controversial thing at all to even talk about uh, just uh, something on the phrasing. I think uh, when you talk about superintelligence, uh, usually you mean uh, intelligence that's vastly uh, 
superior to human intelligence. So I, I would supplant it with general intelligence. Uh, like that, that's when we have something that's kind of human. And at that point, um, well, the, the, the hypothesis goes that it will be able to incrementally improve itself in a runaway process. Yeah, so basically... So, so it, Sorry, go so on. what it becomes, what it becomes is super intelligence. Um, what it starts out as is uh, general intelligence. Yeah, and this is um, intelligence that improves its own intelligence, uh, which is just a really crazy thing to think about. Like if we create an intelligent machine that is focused only on its own intelligence and how to improve that intelligence, uh, like given computational power and things like that, there's kind of like it, it, there's kind of no ceiling unless you think of a ceiling for intelligence, but I don't think that that's something we can even think about at the time. Um, in one channel, I think uh, Google did something recently in the kind of chess domain with Alpha Zero. I don't know if either of you heard of that. It was um, basically a, a program that used sort of uh, neuronal networks to develop ways of improving its own ability at chess. So it would basically be given rules of chess and then be asked to beat the greatest chess engine in the world after uh, only playing chess against itself for like four hours. It was absolutely incredible. I think it was a huge leap for like the artificial intelligence uh, paradigm. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that the AlphaGo was, was an even better accomplishment mm. because um, chess, like it's a complex game, but, but it's still somewhat brute forcible because uh, you know the, the, the range of possible moves it, it's huge but it's not impossibly huge but, but the thing mm -hmm. with go is that uh, there are more kind of possible moves than there are atoms in the universe so it, it's fundamentally impossible to, to just you know calculate it out you, you need um, to create an intuition uh, and that's I guess what uh, deep learning is all about mm -hmm. yeah that that's like um, I, I, I don't know what year it was that Deep Blue beat um, Gary uh, Kasparov in chess. It was in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think like 94 or something like that. Yeah. Um, that comes to mind. But this is obviously something that's a, just a huge step beyond that. Um, yeah. I think I, I like a, a thing that people say against artificial intelligence is something like, you can teach a machine to play tic-tac-toe and it can be great at it, but that's all it can ever do. Um, mm -hmm. But like they're now creating machines that play tic-tac-toe and they don't know anything about it, but they learn it and they master it. And then they move on to other games in that field, like um, like Tetris and all of that. Um, they teach themselves as they go and then become the master of it. So like if you think about just a machine that can teach itself to play various types of games and then map that on to, to do things in the world, like like apps that control your central heating and things like that like they could do everything else in the house like control your lights and control your tv and eventually learn and keep on building on that knowledge like it's really not hard to imagine um it getting to the level of like what would be considered agi mm -hmm. uh, i think there's a uh, one big hurdle which is that uh, as far as i know they haven't managed to uh, kind of um, like the thing with DeepMind with their Atari system, which could play all, all different kinds of Atari games. Uh, I don't think it was the same AI. It was the same kind of um, 
uh, it started out with the same AI, but once they taught it one game, they couldn't teach it a second game without kind of ruining the first um, game. So, so the method can can work in a general sense, but but I think so far each individual AI can't um, can't learn like a, a second thing without impacting the first thing they learned. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. But obviously, this, this is something they're really working hard on right now because that's kind of the, the next thing. Yeah, like we have what we have now is is called narrow AI, or I think I think it's also described as soft AI, um, and that's things like Siri in your phone or um, self-driving cars, which are predicted to you know basically be the future of of automobiles. Like they they're saying that. Within 50 years, humans are not going to drive cars anymore. Um, like trucks will be all self-driving, um, and this will be a lot safer than actually having humans do it. And that's not even like a particularly strong type of AI. Like that's really what we're limited to at the moment, and that's still going to be that's going to lead to a huge overhaul in society. Um, like the, that's mm-hmm. a, that's an entire. I, I don't know, I, I can't remember the exact statistics, but um, the number of people who are going to be rendered unemployed by this innovation is really, really fast. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, it means hundreds of thousands of people are not going to die on the roads where now they do die. Like, people die in road traffic accidents every year, like a huge amount of people, so... Um, yeah. Like this is a real positive uh, influence in AI, and that's just the one that we have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think also it's it's not uh, fundamentally a bad thing that people lose their jobs. Uh, it's just uh, you know, I mean, the goal should be 100% unemployment in the long term, right? It's just the way of getting there uh, when only some people are unemployed is going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult for the system we have now. Uh, to manage that without creating a lot of poverty and um, you know societal problems. Yeah. Uh, but if one day we we can all go on an eternal vacation and and all the work is done by um, by computers and robots, I mean that's not a bad thing. That's something I think we should strive towards. Do Do you see that to be? Do you see that as the likely conclusion of AGI's introduction? Uh, well, yeah, but but it's going to take a long time. And I mean, during the transition, we're going to have, a, you know, there's there will always be some jobs that are way harder than others, uh, yeah. you know, creative jobs, uh, social jobs, uh, things like that. And um, but, you know, we're just having like 50 percent unemployment. That's not that's not possible with, with the system we have today. Like society wouldn't it would kind of collapse on itself. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. I mean, if 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 it was a hundred percent, then it wouldn't be a problem, really, because we could live in some kind of a communist utopia. I don't know. Um, and today things work, but but the the transition is going to be harsh, I think. And I don't know that there is uh, any good uh, proposals for for how to solve that. Yeah. I, I, I can't really imagine how we could get from here to that utopia of everyone living inside of a like a video game that's the best video game ever, but you're also in the video game and you get to 
you know, if you're ever bored at one point, you can just dream up something new, and that also becomes part of the video game. Um, like I said, I, every time I imagine what life will be like when the robots take our jobs, that's pretty much what I'm imagining. I don't know if that's my dream reality or if that's the likely uh, end game, but I, I can't imagine the transition period at all. I, I think there are too many political factors involved and too many social factors, and it's I, I if anything I actually see that slowing down the transitions. So the law of accelerating returns is kind of logically bringing us there, but I just can't see how we could ever possibly reach the final part. Like it, I, I know AGI will definitely happen, but I don't know that you know that society will hold up under the pressure when we're so kind of unprepared for it. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be an incredibly volatile period in human history. And uh, I don't take it for granted at all that we will even make it. Uh, it could very well be that, you know, world wars happen because, uh, you know, there will be so much instability uh, in the society at large. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people kind of take for granted this, this era we have now of, of general stability. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not a law of nature. It, it's... Uh, Things can happen that will upend a lot of the things we take for granted uh, about the social contract and, and the society in general. Um, and I think it will. Yeah. It, to me, it seems like the biggest question facing society, but we're not really talking about it at all. What, what do you think, John, about that, about what's going to happen <clears throat> if and when AI take all of our jobs? Like. I'm not sure if 100% unemployment is something that we should strive towards. I don't know, from an evolutionary perspective, like, you know, waking up at a certain time, going to work, uh, feelings of accomplishment when you see people disillusioned when they win, like, say, for instance, somebody's won the lotto and that their lives change in a positive way with uh, drastic ramifications. These people's lives generally don't end well. Um, I don't know if, if that's really something that could be much better than what we have now in, in some avenues just by striving off into the sunset uh, forever potentially and not having to do any, any menial jobs. I think that the meaning we get in life is, is brought on oftentimes by hardship and suffering. And I think to deviate away from a life that involves that could de away, deviate away from, from life itself. I don't know if that's a life human beings are geared for or towards. I don't know. Um, that's just what I thought there. Uh, I, I would like to just comment on that, that, that um, basically what I'm thinking is um, just because jobs go away, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, people aren't doing things that could be jobs today. But but uh, they're not whatever they're doing. They're not doing it uh, because they're forced to. They're not doing it for money. They're doing it. Uh, you know, the, everything they do is is a project of passion. Um, and people can still you know be very very busy and, and do challenging things um but it's uh, it's not uh, it's not linked to their survival basically any longer it's just uh, it, mm. it's optional but at the same time if you if you just if you put someone on permanent vacation maybe for a while they'll just sit uh, in the couch and watch netflix um mm -hmm. but you know sooner or later they're going to be really bored with that and they'll start thinking you know maybe back in um, come up with something more meaningful to do. Um, but it's still going to be a challenge, I, I agree, because uh, it's not for granted that you, you know, that a particular person will find something mm -hmm. uh, meaning, meaningful to do with their days. But 
but it's also not, uh, I don't think, a, a fundamentally, you know, unsolvable problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, one thing that you could do would be if if humans and their association with the work-life balance, if that was becoming very disconnected and you kind of had this zombie state of people who didn't know what they were doing, um, sort of like welfare states that you see in certain areas of big cities now, and people always say like they're doing nothing, they're playing video games all day, things like that. Um, you could, assuming you have AGI and the technology that comes with that, you could simulate meaningful programs for people to do. Like you could have someone who is in a, a simulation where they they practice survival strategies as though it were their reality. Um, the the advancement in VR video games... I, I, I don't know if this is just me, but I honestly think video games are the future. And Isn't that, isn't that the why Neo took the red pill? Because um, you can't satisfy human intellectual curiosity by telling them that they're in a simulation. Human beings don't want to have things mapped out for them like that. What? Well, if, if if say we were in this scenario where you you, you lived your life in VR and you had some kind of a super powerful um, super intelligence whose only job was to to you know design your experience or your your life, uh, I mean it could take that into account. It could give you like the the optimal amount of resistance or whatever it is that you need. Um, yeah. So I don't think it I don't think it has to. I think it could work, but, but it's still a scary thought to me to be, um, I don't know, I, I feel like something could be lost uh, there very easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, I'm very much the kind of person who, if you told me right now, like if, if someone gave me, I don't know, a hundred million dollars right now and said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Um, I'm not very good at planning the future, but the first thing that I can honestly say that I would do is just play as much Age of Empires 2 as possible. <laughs> and that game is 20 years old. So I, I don't yeah. know at what point that's going to become tiring for me, but I've racked up over 1,000 hours on it, and it just does not ever slow. I don't ever feel like not playing it. And it, it, like at some points in my life, it feels like everything that I'm doing is essentially just wasting time until I'm at my computer playing that game again. And I don't know what that says about me as a person, but I it, it, <laughs> I, I could definitely see a future where that's the case for everybody, except instead of Age of Empires 2, it's a much more, um, a much more insightful, a much more profound, and a much more beneficial game to be playing um but i guess everybody's different in that aspect and that's not going to be the case for you know millions and millions of people mm-hmm. i do accept that so but i don't know i'm 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 thinking like if, if like your daily activity instead of a job maybe maybe your new job is to kind of continuously uh, find out what you want to do um mm-hmm. and i mean is that such a bad thing like, okay, for some periods, a lot of people might feel stuck uh, or bored, but, uh, you know, then you probably have these uh, ADIs who can help stimulate your imagination or, mm-hmm. yeah. or what have you. Uh, so, so I don't know, it seems like a, a pretty decent mode of existence to me uh, compared to today, after all. Um, yeah, I I sort of feel like perhaps the idea that you have to you have to work to live to eat and all of that stuff is is very much like a, a cultural 
thing. Um, I, I don't, obviously there's no society we can point to where that type of thing doesn't exist, but um, our, like, the, there's this huge um, debate all the time about whether or not millennials are the most entitled generation ever, <laughs> and truthfully it's that you can't inspire someone to work for Starbucks when it's not a matter of life and death. Like, if, if someone doesn't get a job straight out of college, it doesn't mean that they die, for the most part, in, in the West, in the developed world, um, where my parents would be telling me to get a job because their parents had to work or else they literally starved. And, like, that's very mm-hmm. cultural. And you can move past that generation by generation. And I think you could definitely reach a time where the cultural upbringing is not strained by the need to get a job, but rather it's it's stressed that it's important to have self-fulfillment um, and, and, I don't know, learn more about the self or discover the things that you're passionate about or, you know, pursue things that you're interested in. Um, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, also, just... it, it, um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, if you absolutely need something structured to do, then I guess people could, like, go to school for the rest of their life, just keep learning things or having projects uh, together with other people what have you, that would at least be, be some kind of source of uh, meaningful activity for, for basically anyone. Yeah, definitely. I guess like if there are people who, who just couldn't come up with anything uh, more personalized. I, I think it's hard to put yourself in the position of somebody who exists at a time when AGI is a real thing. Like if you imagine being a person of a certain IQ and then there is this like whole horde of other human beings with an IQ, say 50, 100, 500 points higher. Like, would we feel fulfilled in anything we did at that time? Would we feel like we're reaching our potential when there's like uh, automated robots or whatever doing things at a much faster rate, much better than what we could ever do? I I don't know if we would feel fulfilled in such a time. Mm. Well, um, I guess, um, I mean, par- partly you, you could, I guess, I mean, this all depends on what kind of technologies we have at that mm-hmm. point. But, but I guess if you have AGI, then basically, I guess you can assume that you have any any other technology. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could, you could just, like, enhance your own mind if, if you didn't feel, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. it was eno- enough if you wanted to be smarter. Yeah. Um, and also I'm thinking... Uh, and um, like, you, I guess you could, if if you if we kind of end up in these situations where our, how should I put it, our, our where our desires aren't really uh, working out for us, where, where they're not productive, mm-hmm. uh, we could like, you know, I guess we would also have the technology to change those things, kind mm-hmm. kind of reprogram ourselves. If if I don't feel good about something that, that I can't change, then I could just make myself feel good about it, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. In relation to your Age of Empires, I just thought of something there. Have you ever noticed in video games where if you get cheats, it's like, okay, infinite lives, infinite weapons, all this, the game becomes dramatically less interesting. Yes. Like in Age of Empires, if you started off on infinite stone, infinite gold, etc., like wouldn't that just be the most boring and monotonous game ever? And I guess that's what I'm trying to get across with the like suffering and the difficulty and the hardship. 
that's what makes a game like that good is because you actually have to fight for something. You have to uh, have a disadvantage. You have to power through that. And that's what gives you the feeling when you finish it or won or whatever that you actually did something worthwhile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that the whole point with games to, to be challenging? I mean, if you cheat, then it's not really a game anymore. It's more like just a kind of weird, pointless simulator. But doesn't that contradict then what you were saying about augmenting your own intelligence to make yourself feel better? No, but I mean, if you um, if you did that, then that wouldn't be the case anymore. But aren't you just cheating? And, uh, well, you're you're cheating on a meta level, I guess. So so it, it's it's okay. I mean, it's up to you. You could also just create challenges the same way that you know games are are an artificial challenge. Uh, but if, for whatever reason, you you didn't want that, then uh, I mean, if if you can change your own mind, then then all kinds of things that that are really core to how how we see the world now, they're you know up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not quite the same because Age of Empires is, is essentially a limited piece of net code. Like, if it were an Excel spreadsheet, it comes with a limited number of columns and rows. Whereas mm-hmm. in this AGI-influenced video game future, it's not just a game that's limited by tech. It's this, it's this limitless experience that encapsulates your life. So I think it's slightly different because every cheat code that you would come up with is something to actually enhance your life in that exact moment rather than being a thing that eradicates the challenge of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a door like way, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like you you break out of the meta, you're something different and you know, cheat codes are just an actual enhancement rather than a hindrance. Mm-hmm. I I can see it going wrong though. Like like um it would be probably like fundamentally impossible to to to, uh, to predict like your continued behavior and and desires after a change maybe for for a, a mind that was greater than yours it, it could predict it for you but but i don't mm-hmm. think you could predict it yourself so what is to say if you do this change you won't just uh, you know a hundred years down the line you'll be have completely stagnated or mm-hmm. ended up in a, some kind of realm where you don't uh, like at that mo- moment maybe you you really enjoy calculating pi for infinity and you think that's really meaningful but if if yourself from 100 years ago would see that you would say oh no that that went terribly wrong I, I, that wasn't what i wanted mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point um should we move on to how agi will actually like how do we move from what we have now uh into agi is it purely just a matter of a technological breakthrough that someone is going to figure out the code that lets AI do the extra thing and helps it to learn as it goes? Like, are we really just waiting for that to happen? Kind of, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's always uh, an issue of hardware. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to expect that, that that will just keep going on. Uh, not, not necessarily at the same pace, because, you know, more slow, I, I think, isn't really... Um, a thing anymore. Yeah, it's not working uh, out as, as we go on. Yeah. Uh, I think s- some people will debate me on that, but in general, I think most people agree that Moore's Law hasn't been um, uh, fulfilled for, for um, 
many years now. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there is no progress. I mean, as long as we have a society, as long as we have uh, scientists and, and engineers, you know, we're going to have some amount of progress. Uh, um, whereas the, you know, the, the kind of engineering solution that that's uh, that's the tricky part. So, so I think that's what we're waiting for, essentially. Um, what 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 do you are you scared or skeptical or are you excited? Like, how do you actually feel about the introduction of AGI? Like, how do you think it's going to affect the world? Um, I, I guess it's weird. I, I, I should be a lot more scared than I am. Uh, I guess in a way it feels uh, like a very unreal and distant thing. Mm. Uh, and uh, I personally, I don't think it's going to happen super soon. But uh, like maybe in 50 years, 40 years. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but you know, I, I I might be alive at that point. Um, even so, I can't really like if if I could actually feel the full gravity of it, uh, I I should have a bigger reaction than I'm, and uh, I, I'm not. Um, but from a, like an intellectual standpoint, I am worried because I think there are a lot more things that can go wrong than than that can go right. Yeah. Um, what do you think about it, John? Uh, so from a pragmatic point of view, I'm just thinking that obviously it's going to originate. It's going to have its, its seeds somewhere. And the people who kind of had an investment in that or uh, were contributing to its development, I think they're going to have an inordinate amount of power, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I just can't see how that could end benevolently or end altruistically. Like every period in history where someone has had complete power, it's it's ended in tragedy. So I just don't see how this could end any differently. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's a kind of winner-takes-all scenario. So, exactly. so, and by winning this time, you know, previous times in history, winning, it wasn't the same thing because, uh, like, it wasn't necessarily permanent. Yeah. But now, like for the first time ever, you can. Act you can actually have someone that actually becomes uh, more or less the, the god emperor of uh, humanity for the, for the rest of time, you know, so that's a very scary notion. Mm. And, uh, and also how much, uh, how scared people will be when that is imminent and uh, how much conflict there will be you mm -hmm. know, in order to prevent someone else from getting that. Uh, exactly. Say, even, even if you have, uh, even if every single person is determined to to be a, a very good and gentle god emperor mm -hmm. you know no, no one is going to trust that the other ones are, you know feel the same so just just the fear will make people uh, probably you know tear the world around down their exactly. yeah. uh, just to because you know in, in that situation the only way to not get uh, fucked over so to speak is is to be the one yourself mm -hmm. um, for you to be the the god emperor, and uh, yeah, but we, even we then, all, all... like there, 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 there'll always be somebody standing in the wings, I think, ready to try and take you down from your throne. You know, maybe the people who you helped create it with, or who supported you, like your close friends. I I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, in the beginning, yeah, but but um, mm -hmm. when you have that level of technology, I think you can actually reach a stage where there is no possible resistance um, mm. say you have uh, you know total surveillance you have uh, 
really complex AI system that that kind of manages all of that surveillance. Mm-hmm. As soon as, as soon as someone starts talking about a revolution, um, you know, a little drone just kills them on the spot, so, and then no one can do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's if you imagine a world where. You could actually do it with either the North or the South, but if if a Korean country was the first one to develop AI and perfect it, uh, like if if it were South Korea that did it, with North Korea having all of its weapons already pointed at its capital, I can't see that ending well at all. And let's say if Kim Jong-un said that he had perfected uh, AGI, which obviously the whole world would laugh for a few minutes, and then if he were to demonstrate that in some way and prove it, like, can you imagine how how Vladimir Putin, how Donald Trump, like, how world leaders would react to finding out that the man with the keys to the future of the planet is Kim Jong-un? Like, there is no way he would be allowed to wield that kind of power. They would have to, like, they'd be pushing these treaties through the UN to try and... I don't know, put the brakes on this process and to try and come up with a diplomatic um, international law that regulates AGI, where if it were America who who came up with it and it, it was within the American government, I, I don't think anyone would be within their power to tell America how to behave with AGI. So it's like it really depends which country comes up with it, like among various other factors obviously but i i can see if it isn't the states that comes out with the technology first i can see that being a problem like every every time um there's a presidential race in america the thing that they talk about an awful lot is china and it's i don't think anyone even has a clear picture of china there they just say the chinese are doing this the chinese are doing this like collectively china and and all of its citizens are colluding to keep their prices cheaper and it's not fair you know, imagine that you throw AGI in there, how they're going to perceive the country in terms of fairness and what they're going to allow it to do. Like, I, I cannot actually see that leading to anything other than war, really. And that's even if, like, a nation develops. Imagine it was a person, like yeah. a citizen. Yeah, it, it's a, like, it, it is akin yeah. to, somebody, to somebody discovering aliens. Like, it, it's akin to being the first person to be abducted by aliens and then come back to Earth. Mm. I mean, what it really comes down to is, um, w- would you like wh- whoever controls this AGI, or if it's not under anyone's control, then, then it controls itself, so to speak. Uh, mm. And the the only question is, would you entrust uh, the entire you know fate of the world for all eternity to this person? And I think almost no matter who that person is, very few people are going to say, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, so likely, you know, uh, I don't know. It, probably we, there will be, you know, terrible wars or even you know nuclear bombardments if if just to stop that because, like, what what is a nuclear winter compared to like an eternity under um, King Jong Un as as our God Emperor? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, even if you were to, if you could map the creation of AGI and its capabilities onto a presidential race, it would literally come down to, to something like The Rock coming out and saying, I'll be the one, and society saying, yeah, we'll give it to The Rock. Let's let The Rock be. 
like it's it's we're just I, I feel like we're you know there there's like a serious discussion about Oprah being the next president of the United mm. States like we're just so ill equipped and ill prepared to deal with something mm. like AGI with the just the, the state that we're in at the moment. Did you see the Rasmussen poll it was like forty eight percent? I I, did, I don't I I'm not even. I, I just every time I think about that, I'm just like seriously, America, get your shit together. Like, you, yeah. you, you cannot have like on a list that starts with people like Washington and Lincoln. It cannot come to Trump and Oprah. <laughs> it's just... I I thought that was a joke. I, I haven't been keeping up with events. I guess. Uh, oh yeah, no, that's she, actually she, that, that's real. She made some speech at the Golden Globes, was it, or something? And now it's it's looking like the Democrats might attempt to uh, to use her as their presidential candidate for 2020. It's it's definitely I I don't know if anyone in the DNC is taking it seriously, but the media are going crazy, um, pushing mm. for this to happen. So yeah. Wow. Like, she's an incredible woman. I don't think anyone can deny that. You know what I mean? From an, like an entrepreneur who came from nothing to developing like the greatest daytime television show of, of all time, nearly. But just <laughs> the jump from that to president of the United States is, is far-fetched and tenebrous, to say the least. I mean, there is one I of them in the, the, in, the, in the White House now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess what people feel is like they, they know her. They, they've seen her so much on TV. Mm. They... they they know what she would, uh, you know, yeah. what she would be like. Uh, that doesn't mean necessarily she would be a good president. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's more than just being a, a good person, right? You have to have the the competence to to deal with all kinds of uh, things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Like uh, we're we're getting off topic, but it's saying all of those things and then mapping it onto the guy that's in the White House now. I, I it's not even about any of that stuff either. It's just I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's crazy. So tell me this: Would we? How would we tell that we've reached the point of a generalized intelligence? What is the test? Well, I guess uh, I don't think there's a, a good like. There's no way to to kind of uh, for for sure say that right now but but i think it'll be like people will, will you know we will get a sense of it when when we have uh, ais that can do you know uh, you know as as they start getting approaching human levels in versatility i think people will just kind of uh, feel it you know and be like okay it's, it's starting to happen mm. yeah it's um i i think a lot of people when they are faced with whether or not to believe in AI or AGI, um, they tend to ascribe consciousness to it. And I think AGI can exist and not have to be conscious at the same time. Mm. It, it doesn't. Consciousness is not a necessity for AGI, I don't believe. Sorry, go on. No, no, go on. I was going to say, in fact, it could work better without consciousness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Consciousness could perhaps get in the way of AGI in in, in much the same way that, I don't know, human beings, if, if we were just uh, automated and we just kind of went by inputs, outputs, and it was just a neurochemical thing that happened in the brain as opposed to this conscious perception process, we could actually be better at what we do. You know what I mean? Who knows? Possibly not. But, yeah, um, if, if we were in but, the flow but, but, state permanently. 
say. But aren't, aren't we talking about uh, sapiens now as opposed to consciousness? Like consciousness shouldn't really affect uh, um, how you act. Yeah, I think it's I think that it's more a perception that people have. Like every time there's some kind of breakthrough in AI, like Deep Blue or Siri or um, something passing the Turing test or like even like self-driving cars and, and things like that. Every time those things come out, people say, yeah, but it's not real AI. Like every like about every like P, I, I think people won't be happy until they're faced with a machine made out of meat that's fully <laughs> conscious like that's that's basically what people are expecting before they and, and it's only then that people will be like whoa hold on we need to yeah we need to plan around yeah I, I i could actually i could see people living in a world with agi and saying well that's not ai because if if the agi doesn't seem like a person you know and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to necessarily have you know many of the qualities that we associate with personhood yeah um, and it could still have intelligence it, it could just be very alien and i think people wouldn't really a lot of people would, would say that's uh, it's just a silly computer it's just an optimizer that's that's not intelligence it, it could be uh, a, a super computer with tentacles at the bottom of the sea it could still be a it could still be agi you know what i mean I mean, it could be, for example, it it wouldn't necessarily have to have agency, right? It could be like an oracle; it only responds to questions. Yeah. Or, uh, or it could be. Um, uh, the thing with like non-human minds is that we we don't have very much experience with that. So there, there's so much that we can't even imagine, probably, in terms of other kinds of minds that could exist. Uh, and the question is, how how will people see such minds when they come to, you know, when they become real. I guess for me the problem is when people bring up consciousness into the artificial intelligence debate, I don't think that either consciousness or intelligence are necessarily linked. Like, I think a conscious person can be very stupid, and you could uh, imagine an intelligent person without consciousness, you know what I mean? I don't know how they ever got bundled together, the fact that consciousness would invariably coexist with intelligence. There was a recent um, article in, I forget where I read this, but there there's a man in France with like essentially holes in his brain that get wider and wider every year and he gets, he loses, I think his intelligence at the moment is like 65, sorry, his IQ, um, and it, like he is, he his brain demonstrably gets weaker and weaker year on mm. year. Um, but he's still a conscious being, so like exactly, yeah. yeah the, he still experiences things. It's still like something to be him. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, what I think is fascinating is how many holes out of the human brain would you have to take so that that person would not be conscious? Like, can a can a single neuron be conscious? Yeah, Do you well, know what I mean? You can you can take like a part of someone's brain out where they will no longer remember the name of any football team or football stadium, but they'll mm -hmm. still know all the players. Like, it's, there's mm. no real way yeah, of actually, happened, yeah. there's no way of saying like, oh, this controls this and this controls, I mean, obviously there are like broad, in a broad sense, but not in a, there's no way mm. of knowing how severe brain damage is in certain, in certain mm -hmm. cases until you actually put the person in the world and see how they yeah. get on. I mean, the only the only 
point where it actually matters if the AI is conscious or not. That is, I guess, if if the AIs take over and say, humanity and they, they expand all over space and they have this glorious uh, machine civilization. Uh, at that point, it would be a shame if they were not conscious because then they would just be making the universe meaningless. Mm. Um, but as long as they are a tool, then, it, you know, I, I guess as long as something is conscious, it, it matters uh, that we treat them well and, and so on. But, but for the sake of, like, the whole singularity uh, issue, I don't think, I think the bigger issue is what's going to happen with, you know, not with an individual, uh, human or otherwise, but, but with uh, the civilization as, as a whole. And in that respect, it doesn't matter at all if it's conscious or not. Yeah, there's also it the only, possibility... It only, it only Sorry, go on. Uh, I'm going to say it, it only matters what kind of effect it has on, on the world, basically. Um, there's also the possibility of human augmentation. Hmm. Right, this is, this is the approach that Elon Musk wants to take to, to kind of avoid this god-emperor problem, right? So if everybody can become really smart, then no one will, will have an, an, uh, you know, an extreme advantage in, in power. Um, I mean, if you think about it today, a, a human being is, is a, a magnificent thing, right? It's very powerful. And yet we have a society that works great. And that's because, you know, there's a balance. We are all powerful, but, but then none of us are, are more powerful than the other. Um, well, you know, drastically enough that they can just ignore everyone else. Yeah. So, so as long as you have some kind of balance, as long as there's more than, than one or a few people who have this, this power, um, then, uh, then I guess you're forced into having a, a social contract and, and uh, a society and you know, all these things. Yeah, that to me seems like the better thing because you you bypass the problem of the human ego and the fact that like if if ai takes on its own uh humanoid shape and and they're agi robots walking around the place sharing the planet with us but they vastly outweigh us in intelligence they take all the jobs ahead of us like ultimately what happens there is we're removed from our position at the top of the you know pyramid um as the dominant species on earth and i think that that would lead to just I, I, I just I, I can see there being a collective outrage um, and a, a collective insecurity in response to that where if you just augmented with the human brain then that's not even a factor that you have to consider so it, to be honest that seems like the preferable outcome for me I don't know if that's shared in, in the actual like AI community or uh, amongst people who are trying to develop it but it makes way more sense to me to do it that way. Yeah, I think that is the preferred outcome. But, but I, th I think the problem is, is that it, it's not necessarily as easy as, as making separate AI happen uh, in time. Yeah. Um, you know, if companies are, com are com competing to be the first, um, generally probably the, the easiest solution that, that actually works will be what happens, um, which sadly isn't really the best versions. 
Yeah. Or, or the, the the safest versions. Um, there are like several billionaires in the world now trying to figure out how to crack the code for immortality, basically, either by uploading their consciousness to a computer and living forever as a computer or by, um, using biotech to basically stop the aging process from happening. Um, I feel like that's going to be really closely linked to AI, particularly if it does go down the route of human augmentation, because you're going to have people who are trying to find out how to live forever and with billions at their disposal and the fact that they want to make this happen like that that's the greatest incentive like i wonder if that will be how it um unfolds as like someone finds a, a chip they can put in their brain it, like in with human augmentation how does that work in terms of the aging process in the body and things like that it does does the agi like supplement the aging process with biotech or is, is there any kind of leading theory on that or is it going to be like a chip in your head and you still you have a conscious life uh with an added bonus of extra intelligence and then you still die after a life of what maybe a hundred years or something and you age and fade away and die like humans do well, I, I don't think anybody knows. Yeah. But 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 I think it's safe to say if if we get to super intelligence, uh, then I think most of the technologies we can think about today, you know, they'll happen. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we'll get to to super intelligence from general intelligence. Uh, fast enough that it's that'll be you know that you and i will be alive yeah uh, so i i don't know what they what they're thinking the, those uh, um who are spending all that money um yeah you would have to ask them yeah yeah that's fair i'll send elon musk a tweet and ask him what the <laughs> what the is um do you have anything to say about that john just from like a from a like actual physiological point of view with your yeah um the, the first thing was like uploading consciousness like i understand both of those words i think uh, separately but just paired together i just can't understand the method by which consciousness could be uploaded yeah, um, it's, it's un unless you were to just basically uh, copy the brain and recreate it in some way that I don't even know, like that still maintains its physical properties, but then is is, is mapped. I, I, I yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, what would be the the bits or the like the uh, functional unit or the fundamental unit rather of consciousness? You know what I mean? That's being uploaded. I guess the idea is is that you simulate the physics of the brain on, on a computer uh, but then nobody knows you know because we don't know what consciousness is nobody knows mm -hmm. uh, will that thing be conscious mm -hmm. or, or will it have the same behavior but it, it won't have an internal experience exactly yeah uh, exactly that, that's what i think as well i think there's probably a lot of evidence to assume that okay we can upload something that will give the appearance that it's conscious but even just like talking to another human being, there's no test available where we can determine whether that person is in fact conscious or not. Mm. Um, yeah. Is it possible yeah, to I mean, crack a code of consciousness? Is there any way that it could just be a code that we will be able to figure out and then interfere with in some way? I guess no one knows the answer to that, right? 
I think if if you know science keeps going, I, I I mean my personal very very speculative and subjective opinion is that sooner or later we will somewhat understand consciousness. I think obviously it's the hardest thing out of all the all the things, but um, basically my, my rationale is that. Uh, somehow we know that consciousness is available to to interact with uh, you know like to receive information with and from from or to uh, physical systems right because we are aware of our own consciousness and when when we when i think i am conscious that's you know my thoughts are represented physically in my brain you know with with um, neurons firing and and what have you so how how could I say that you know somehow the the act of having a consciousness affected something in my brain so that I could uh, be aware of it mm -hmm. because when I'm aware it's you know it's all physical so so I even though it doesn't make any sense from an intuitive standpoint I think in a way consciousness is is part of the physical world and uh, therefore I mean anything that is should be approachable to science. Unless there is no physical world. Well, then we're in trouble, I guess. Yeah, that's my favorite then, then theory. All bets are off. Yeah, I mean, well, if you go there, then you can go anywhere. I mean, uh, what was this? What's it called? Uh, Van Boltzmann brains or something, I think. Uh, like the idea that. Uh, Basically, I don't know how, exactly how it goes, but, but some, basically it's about brains forming spontaneously and, and then disintegrating. Mm. And in such a brain, you would you would just have like a snippet of consciousness and you would think that you were part of a life. But in fact, you were just a blip in, in some mm. kind of crazy universe of, of random uh, brains. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I like I, I I always just want to imagine that reality is is like that. It's it's some like nebulous thing that we don't actually. It's nothing like how we would think, and it's it's my favorite thing to imagine that when we die, we just wake up in some machine and someone pulls a plug out of our head, and they're like, "Oh, you were here the whole time, and that was just a really weird." A game that you were playing, and <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna be annoyed if that doesn't happen. Well, I won't. I won't be anything if that doesn't happen because I'll be dead. <laughs> but still. Um, so um, well, maybe you'll have a maybe you'll have a different afterlife, right? Yeah. Then, then you can be annoyed. I mean, that you didn't get the right one. I I listened to um, I think it was like an hour and a half long debate uh, featuring Christopher Hitchens as to whether or not there is an afterlife and. I've come out of that believing that there is no afterlife, so that's I'm prepared for that now. So that's good. Um, so um, just moving on slightly, um, what are the what, what would be the main benefits of the singularity? I'm assuming it's it's things that just include uh, like the the I guess people would have more free time because um, jobs are going to be done by technology rather than by people. Um, and as such, that should lead to a more advanced society in terms of its 
technological innovation and things like that. Um, are there any other benefits? Like, what other areas of society can be affected by this? I think that's kind of a, a that's a mild symptom of of the singularity. Like, I I don't see the singularity as as business as usual, and and it'll just be nicer. I think it will just change everything radically. Um, but, but as for like benefits versus uh, dangers, I think the point of it is that uh, basically our our power as a as a civilization, uh, you know, it, it has kept growing, but it has never been you know enough. We always have problems, so we never exist in the kind of uh, the existence we want. And I guess the singularity is kind of about reaching that kind of ultimate power where we can decide whatever it is we want. Uh, so then the the benefit would be, you know, utopia, I guess, and the, the downside, the danger would be dystopia if someone else decides or if we decide badly, we, we didn't realize what we were deciding. Um, so yeah, I, it's uh, the whole point is, I guess, that we will we will choose what kind of existence we should have in yeah. the future. I'm I'm really sort of struggling to imagine the intelligence explosion um, that's that's predicted. Like I I can only really imagine it as a little thing, a li like a a little thing happens. And then we build on that, and then build on that, and then build on that. Like I, I can't imagine it all coming at the one time, because there's no real precedent for that. I mean, I mean, I guess the internet coming along, like that did take off really, really quickly, and that changed everything. But it's not, that's not even really. There's comparable. no intelligence really there. Yeah, there's no intelligence yeah. on you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true, like it's it's that's not comparable to this. Like what we're dealing with is is just so unprecedented. Like how how could could you hypothesize or theorize as to how society should even plan for this? Like how should we be preparing for this? What what should we be doing? Uh, I I just want to say that it's not a given that it will be uh, like a, a very fast yeah. intelligence explosion. It could take a little bit longer. And uh, one thing that people often uh, overlook when you compare a, a human to a, a super intelligence is that uh, you shouldn't be comparing actually an individual human to to the AGI or ASI. You should be comparing the, the collective of humanity and uh, our knowledge, our machines, and so on, because that's that's you know that represents the human power. And that can accomplish so much more than uh, an individual can. So if you add one AI that's really smart, um, it might be way smarter than a human, but it's not necessarily uh, smarter or more capable than than all of humanity uh, right away. So I think that will put, you know, um, I guess um, slow it down a bit, even if it eventually becomes, you know. Um, unfathomably much uh, greater than, than human civilization. So, um, cool. Uh, about that, um, what Jonathan just said there, I think, was very interesting about how if we're going to compare AGI, we can't compare it to an individual because that's not the way it is. It sort of represents a spectrum of human endeavor and human 
capability, would that be right? It's not just kind of a single point. It's like kind of a constellation of points. Um, well, more, rather than a spectrum, I would just say like the whole. We have to consider the whole of humanity, mm -hmm. or at least so far as uh, you know the parts of humanity that that contribute to, I guess, typical human desires and like the advancement of those. Uh, mm -hmm. So, for example, an AI that was uh, downright evil and just wanted to exterminate humanity. That's, that's a goal that pretty much all of humanity can, can rally against. So if you want to accomplish that goal, you have to, you don't have to just, uh, you know, win over one individual, you have to win over humanity as a whole. Um, and obviously how, there... I'm sorry, go on. Um, no, I, I was more or less done. How would, say, for instance, an AI that comprises the whole of humanity derive a, a solid conclusion that's not just sort of a um, a weighing effect of loads of different opinions? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's some issues that have myriad solutions. Um, that, that's very grey, that's very hard to see kind of a, a logical black and white conclusion. How do you suppose a an AI entity could arrive at conclusions to such problems where there's not just kind of binary one or the other opinion where it could weigh up the, the yes or no of so many different people or so many different uh, thought processes but where there's actually a, a multitude of problems well I, i'm not sure that there i mean there may not be a solution to to every problem mm, okay. uh, i mean when, when you have i mean humanity as a whole it represents such an incredible complexity and and also like such a big variety of goals. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think we should assume that it's possible to, to reconcile everything and have some kind of, uh, you know, situation where everybody wins. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's there, then, then I guess you would need some kind of super intelligence to, to find it out. Mm -hmm. yeah, another thing is that <clears throat> super intelligence will presumably be divorced from human consciousness and all of the things that we place importance on may not be important to it so it might actually be even easier for a super AI to weigh up the pros and cons of something because it's not going to do it with uh, like random things or, or seemingly arbitrary things that humans consider before making a decision you know what I mean yeah but that, that's also the danger right because, yeah absolutely yeah uh, but because of the power it will have uh, it's so important that it it uh, it does exactly what we want it to do. But then again, what do we want it to do? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure we can. I'm not sure there is a, a, a like a, a to some extent. I guess you could say um, there there are some very limited goals that that every human could agree on. But uh, I think that the main problem is that any any goal or or a set of goals you choose. If you leave it, you know, optimizing it long enough, sooner or later, you'll, I feel like you'll reach a point that you you didn't intend and, and you're not happy with. Um, so I'm not sure if there is a solution to that or what it would be. Um, maybe the whole um, uh, human augmentation thing. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we, we just have to keep being a lot of individuals who are fighting for, for their particular goals um, yeah 
There's a famous sort of, I guess, a thought experiment. I forget who it's by, and I actually forget the specifics of it as well because I'm a terrible podcast host. But it goes something <laughs> like um, a, 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 someone designs a piece of AI, and its job is to basically um, maximize a paperclip creation. And slowly but surely, it starts killing humans because it figures out that humans are best suited to being paperclips, and it just turns everything into paperclips, and that's what it does. And it, it just because it's not a conscious being, it just has no concept of, you know, human life and the importance that we place on a human life. So it doesn't take that into consideration, and it just starts killing humans to make paperclips, and like it just it makes. You know, hundreds and uh, hundreds of millions of paper clips for the rest of its existence, and that's where humanity ends up. But you don't need consciousness to value human life. No, you don't. But but uh, I, I guess I shouldn't yeah. have said consciousness. But just the fact that it's devoid of of that level of empathy, or yeah, kind of yeah, just just general like humanness, no. humanity. Mm-hmm. Not, not even empathy. I mean, I mean, just that. It, our goals are would be potentially alien to it. Mm-hmm. It, it. It could, and that, that comes back to that thing I was talking about about like minds that are different from basic, uh, you know, gen, generic human minds. Uh, we take so much for granted, and, and I think a lot of people forget how, how different an AI could be. Yeah. It could it it could have uh, goals that we would think were nonsensical mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it could still be like internally consistent and intelligent and, uh, and I mean on, on some level our goals are also kind of uh, weird right we just want to procreate and and uh, endlessly you know spread our DNA and uh, mm-hmm. uh, what have you which, which you know another mind could consider to be just some kind of paperclip maximizer. Can you can you imagine explaining to a super enhanced piece of artificial intelligence that we have we let dogs live in our houses, but we eat pigs? And if you were to try and do the same thing to dogs, we would like think that that is horrible. Like we in the West look down on Eastern cultures who eat dogs, and we just don't understand it. And we're like, how can you eat a dog? Meanwhile, we eat pigs. They're both four-legged animals, mm. and they're both adorable. Like it, it's, mm. you, you, I, I can't really see how an AI will just be like, yeah, that makes sense. So you're like, Jerry's, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I was going to say Jerry Seinfeld had a really good joke at the start of one of his episodes. He was like, imagine aliens looking down on us while we're walking our dogs. He's like, you see people, and then like there's a lead, and there's this dog like leap, like running around, like the person's chasing to catch up with it, and the dog takes a poop, and the human picks down like a yeah. down like a slave to pick it up and throw <laughs> it away. Like who would the aliens think is in power? You know what I mean? Is it the people yeah. or the dogs who are in power? <laughs> imagine yeah, that's a classic. If, imagine the AI turned us into the dog. Like, is there any reason to assume they won't? Apart from the fact that we're not very cute, but like the AI might not think that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean that that might not necessarily be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, we 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 love our dogs, right? We we want mm-hmm. the best for them. Um, and in the cases where we we don't provide the best for them, it's not because we dislike them; it's because we don't have unlimited power. But if if yeah. you have some kind of being of, of you know unfathomable power who who actually cares about you. It's kind. Of, it's a pretty good deal, I would say. Yeah. But you're gonna be left alone in their house 
for like eight hours a day <laughs> sitting on not the even window. sure if they're coming back I'm yeah a... <laughs> yeah but i mean that that's things we do because we we can't help it right we don't do it because we hate the dog and, and we want to punish it mm. right but it's still it would still be a horrible reality i mean not if they gave me age of empires 2 and they were like play that till i'm home like i'm i'm down for that i just i don't know it's yeah, I, I, yeah. I i think that i think there would be a huge level of bruised ego um like you know if, if you were to try and tell humans that that's where they're gonna do that's what they're gonna do that's how they're gonna spend their lives but i, I also here's a weird thing um the the process of domesticating dogs basically means never allowing them to reach puberty um and that's why wolves exist and dogs exist because dogs um they never get to grow into wolves because we've created basically we've like artificially bred dogs to be dogs um because we thought that they were cute and would make good pets and there's like you know what what if the ai did that to us and they they put us back to being monkeys or like you know they they never ever let us get to um get to puberty so we're just like eight years old but we we reach full size we live for 80 years but our minds never get past the capacity of an eight-year-old like just something like that is never ever discussed with ai and like you know for all intents and purposes because we're having fun here that's possible yeah absolutely i mean i mean but it doesn't seem that bad to me like that that would probably be in many ways a, a better life obviously like from where we're sitting we're, we're a lot older than eight years old and we can see all the things we would miss but but uh, for that person uh, it would probably be a happy person right because yeah. never knew anything else and it was taken care of it had a fun life um, it's not too terrible. Um, you're actually dead, right? Like, I would love to go back to being eight years old. Um, not for a long time, but I, I, I'd at least like to just re-experience life with, um, <clears throat> like, no serious responsibilities or anything like that. Like, that actually could be pretty sweet, so. But, like, you can do that, though. Like, isn't that what they used to do? Like, basically lobotomizing someone mm -hmm. is bringing them down to a perennial uh, state of eight years old. But that has a, there's kind of a, a there's a sinister connotation with that though, isn't there? Because like they kind of if you lobotomize someone, aren't they for like the lights are kind of turned off, if you know what I mean. Whereas if you are an eight year old, you can still be curious and fascinated, and you know what I mean. Like well, you could still be curious and fascinated, like uh, lobotomized. You know what I mean? Like your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain they generally remove with lobotomies. Uh, basically develops into your like late teens and 20s you know so there's no reason to suggest that uh, you wouldn't be any different from an eight-year-old if it was done say for instance sufficiently well hmm. so we're concluding hmm. that this is the future that we want <laughs> <laughs> no but, but but like to go back to the ai uh, as a as a master i guess um, when you say we leave the dogs at home I don't see why, why the AI has to leave us at home because the AI doesn't have a job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I just made a like for like analogy. <laughs> yeah, but like in in general, it doesn't. And I mean, imagine it's uh, ten thousand times smarter than us, and maybe to it, uh, optimizing our lives is is uh, you know it's nothing. It's something it can do while it's reading the morning paper. You know what I mean? Yeah. He does have a job. He's the May Isle man. 
Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> dad jokes. <Right. laughs> I. Uh, how long were you thinking of that? Just there when he said he doesn't have a job. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Jonathan, for helping me find that joke. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'm happy about that. <laughs> You're programmed to say that. I, I think the sooner AI is here, the better, because... AI wouldn't make that kind of joke. Uh, okay, so what I think is really interesting is, is the speciesistic viewpoint we take to all these problems is like, how will it affect humans? And I know like obviously um, intuitively, well, we are humans, so of course we're gonna think about things like that. But if we looked at the animal kingdom and we saw, okay, Africa is now getting drier and drier, there's far less water available. Tigers, or sorry, lions are developing this sort of hump on their back, similar to camels, where they can store loads more water so they don't die as quickly, but unfortunately it causes a lot of pain and suffering because their vertebrae and their spine haven't grown to be accustomed to such a anatomical change. But we'd probably look at that and be like, yeah, but they're living longer. This is nature taking course. You know what I mean? This is the way things are going. Uh, sure, it happened to camels and blah, blah, blah. But then as soon as something happens to us, that uh, could be argued objectively from an evolutionary point of view and the stance of AI, like we're so much like, oh, but 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 how will it affect me in my day-to-day life of common banality? You know what I mean? It's just so interesting that we have such a double standard when it comes to ourselves as a species versus the entire rest of planets or animals on the planet actually i I have a a viewpoint that is probably kind of uncommon uh maybe unpopular but but, uh, i think that basically given that the 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 uh, what do you call it the stakes are so high in terms of the singularity i don't really care too much about like what happens to humans uh, because in the grand scheme of things um, say we get wiped out and the, the machines make their own civilization, then, um, you know, as long as they create something good and they are happy, um, you know, then what, what is a blip of, of human suffering on if they go on for a, a trillion years? Uh, does it matter even if, if we were the founders of that civilization or if we were wiped out and then they built something on top of it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I I actually think that viewpoint is really, really fascinating because I have always wondered what it is that sort of ties me with humanity in that sense. Um, Like, I I also am kind of weird in the sense that, like, I don't ever want to have kids. I have no desire to carry on my DNA. Like, I, I I don't really feel any sense of oneness with humanity. So I actually kind of agree with that. It's even like what I think is likely is that we'll actually um, combine with AI in in some way or another and and we will kind of, or or else biotech uh, will become so strong that the AI are kind of more or less human anyway in their appearance and in their their biology. So like I kind of don't really get why that's so terrible as well. So I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, I personally, I mean, I, I'm a human and I, I know lots of humans that, that I care about. So, so obviously I, I would like humanity to continue. It's just that in, in the scope of things, it seems like a luxury. You know, when, when, when so much is at stake, when basically the future of potentially of, of the galaxy is at stake, if you consider, you know, the civilization born here, possibly uh, spreading out 
and you know taking over uh, it seems like a you know yeah just a luxury problem to 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 care about uh, do you mean to say back to that john yeah, like it's it's really complex because when you're dealing with rationality and logic and stuff, you you want to be objective. You want to remove yourself from the equation. And speciesistic or yeah, speciesist arguments just sort of fall short. I think of that uh, criteria. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To try and uh, like as Jonathan was saying, if it's for the be- betterment of the planet, if it's for the betterment of the arts and everything else of science of technology, like. Why are we to say that our kind of pudgy, fleshy bodies are more important than these kind of android, humanoid, etc. Uh, civilization from uh, surpassing us in nearly every dimension? It's uh, yeah, like um, it, it's hard to be objective and still say that no humanity must play an integral role in whatever future the Earth holds. Hmm. Do you hold the opinion that humanity should be like? I don't know why, but I, I kind of feel like you would be more concerned about humanity than I would. I guess it comes back to the fact that I know I'm conscious. I know I'm human. I don't know what any other entity would be like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I put my faith in humanity for that purpose because it's it's what I know. It's who I am. Like, I guess any other uh, member of any other species would, would do, right? They kind of... They feel that, yeah, their group is sort of the group, if that makes sense. But um, yeah. I, I don't know how, how strongly you could defend that philosophically. The, the way I see it, what, what matters is that there is consciousness in the universe and that it's uh, like a, a positive valence consciousness, right? Mm. Uh, that it, it's, uh, and then what the specifics are, it doesn't really, I mean, that's all subjective. And then I guess, like, I I can't defend it objectively, but I also think it's important to have meaning. And I can't really even define what meaning is. But, but I, I mean, I wouldn't really like if there was, like, a, say, a civilization of, of AIs where they were just feeling boundless ecstasy forever, but they weren't doing anything. That, mm. to me, would that, that would be a failure because it would be meaningless, even if would, it would be... You know, utterly sublime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, so I guess just some kind of meaningful and diverse uh, modes of consciousness. Uh, so basically, exist, humans. Existing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Except uh, it doesn't have to be humans. I guess that's the mm-hmm. point. It, mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's a robot, if it's a human, if it's a, an evolved uh, dolphin. Doesn't matter too much. Or, or if, if even if you focus on humans doesn't necessarily matter like what group of humans what if uh, russia nukes the rest of the world and then they they create the, the russian intergalactic uh, super ai civilization like that's terrible for us here right now um, but in, in, like you know 10,000 years later does it does it matter who as long as you know the result is uh, you know, a flourishing of, of positive consciousness in the universe. I don't think it matters. So do you then think that in a universe that has no consciousness, it's a waste? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't see how you could ascribe any value to something, I mean, to, to a universe that, that had no consciousness. Mm. Do you disagree? 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's, it's hard to put yourself... Like, so obviously when the Big Bang happened, presuming it did, there was a time when there was no consciousness. Do you think that or do you think there always was a consciousness in the universe? I don't really have an opinion. It's, mm. it's, uh, we know so little about consciousness. I mean, if, mm. if uh, it could be that consciousness is a, some kind of inherent part of matter, Mm-hmm. In that case, I guess there always was consciousness, even if it it wasn't structured. It it didn't make sense, but it it was still an experience of some kind. Uh, but but I mean I, that's so speculative. I I can't really have an opinion. What do you think, Altenero? I don't like. I I'm I'm trying to think about myself and what I feel. I'm I'm definitely not at the intellectual level to be pondering on that kind of subject i don't think but if if agi doesn't experience consciousness but it's in some way at its base level program to behave like humans does that mean that they <clears throat> can something that isn't conscious enjoy music or enjoy experiences like that um i, I feel like that's a huge part of consciousness and and what we do with our consciousness are the things that we do in our free time like our hobbies and stuff like that does an agi do that or do they only do things that maximize their goal that's predetermined presumably i don't think enjoy something without being conscious like okay there might be dopamine release that Mm. will stimulate other neurons but i don't know why you'd have a subjective perception of enjoyment over and above just the neurochemical electrochemical impulses do you know what i mean yeah. Like when, when we feel enjoyment, we're not feeling electrochemistry. We're feeling something subjective, some like a conscious perception. So I don't see why something without consciousness would feel enjoyment, because I think then you're taking something from the conscious vocabulary and so, ascribing it to something that's objective. Um, what like what makes a great civilization uh, historically are kind of the artworks and the mm, it's progress the artifacts yeah. and like their design structure their architecture these things are really important the way we can differentiate uh, and appreciate stuff like you know um the japanese empire to the the aztec empire and we can look and identify the two separate things and there's two completely separate um realms of preferences going on at the same time um, mm. if i'm imagining a conscious a, 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 an AGI civilization without consciousness, I actually, I really can't even imagine what it would look like if they don't care about those subjective things. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I don't really see what their civilization would look like other than it could just be a bunch of blocks. Or it, like, it could be ugly but effective. Um, mm. So it, it, it well, might, I mean, you know. Could, couldn't they have the same behavior even though if they weren't uh, conscious? Right, so it seems as if they are appreciating art, but uh, you know there's no subjective experience of, of appreciating it. So how Would scary you... is it to imagine um, a civilization where there is not a not a, an ounce of conscious? Well, obviously <clears throat> consciousness is not measured in ounces. I don't know why I said that, <laughs> but there's there's not a single bit <laughs> of consciousness in the civilization, but there are robots listening to music and pretending to enjoy it. Okay, here's a question then in response to that. How could an AGI logically defend spending weeks to months on a painting that it was only going to... You know I mean, if the end goal of its 
uh, work was like a painting akin to Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci that took weeks to months of time. If it if it's not enjoying it, how could it defend doing it? Yeah, this seems like the antithesis of intelligence. Exactly, exactly. But, but couldn't you also say, like, um, if a car isn't enjoying going a, a mile on a road, how is it doing it? Like, maybe it's just doing it because it's it's made to do exactly that. But, it, yeah, it's purpose. That's what I mean, so it's not enjoying it. Exactly, yeah. It's purpose built to do but, it um, because it, it delivers enjoyment or, or it delivers uh, usefulness to its creator. Um but if AGI I mean, we, 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 is going to develop beyond that, doesn't it kind of, you know, by itself, learn these things and, you know, not not necessarily. I would say, like, it, it's so easy to to anthropomorphize. That's a hard word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anthropomorphize. Uh, whatever. You know what I you mean. You can't do it with an Irish <laughs> accent either, so I can't help you out here, unfortunately. Anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's it's all we've ever known is to be human, but uh, there's so much of that that it doesn't have to apply. It, it applies because we ended up that way, probably because of evolution or happenstance. Um, but I, I think it's fully possible to 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 be a great artist and make a painting for a long time without feeling anything, just because. Uh, you know, because you are a system that that has been set up to to accomplish those things. Do you it, really you think that though? That someone would spend weeks to months engaging in an apparently frivolous behavior from any and it could be anyone else's viewpoint, without having some sort of subjective appreciation of enjoyment of, for doing it. You do get like psychopaths in society who really are just attempt like they're trying to integrate, not because of any meaningful way that non-psychopaths do but because they think it's the thing that they should do um while they're trying to stalk out prey or something like that you know what i mean like there are psychopaths who just derive no enjoyment from anything and the only things that they feel are hate and disgust and some kind of gross curiosity as to the insides of the human body um, and, and like they go home and look in the mirror and practice what it is to display emotions, but they don't actually display emotions. Presumably those people are conscious. So I guess... But don't they could... want to, Don't they have a desire, though, to be like other people? That's what's propagating them. Oh, I, I mean, I guess, but from what I've read on... I, I, like, I read this book called The Psychopath Test, and it, it seems like it's it's more a matter of they want to integrate so that they can get the things that they want from a kind of a a real sinister point of view like it's a matter of getting power so that they can experience their like debauchery or you know depravity whatever mm. so like that, that like that does happen so you could see also like matt bellamy from muse you know the band muse have you ever mm. looked in that guy's eyes there's no light behind those eyes <laughs> So, you know, I th I'm pretty sure he's created art for all his life and he feels nothing. <laughs> I, I just think in general that a mind can have almost any kind of qualities or, or motivations. Um, I don't think it necessarily even has to be internally consistent. Uh, like, uh, I can imagine someone who was, for example, uh, programmed to hurt themselves. 
and they, they couldn't stop doing it. But they didn't like it. They weren't a masochist. They just, uh, you know, it was compulsive. Yeah. But 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 then you were getting back to program to do something. So th if they're not free to do otherwise, it's not the same, right? Yeah, but no one is really free to do otherwise, right? But that's an impossible question because we don't have two universes where we have the same set of state of affairs in both and we see two different possibilities happening. Uh, but but how would that even, how would you even define such a universe? But that's what I mean, I mean though, that's the, but that's the only way to answer the question. Are we free to do otherwise? Let's take universe A and universe B where at time zero they're identical and then we'll see if things follow exactly the same. No, but what I mean is like if... if if you're going to argue about some kind of uh, free will, then, then, like, to me, the concept doesn't even make sense to begin with, because a will is inherently not free. Like, freedom doesn't... A, a will is about something. If you want something, you're not going to suddenly change to a completely different thing. So you're, it's more like you are a slave to your will, I would say, than being having free will. Like it has to be based on something, right? For you to want something. Yeah. And if it's not based, if it's not based on something, then it's random, and, and randomness isn't freedom. Well, like okay, so if, if we're thinking about choices people make, like big decisions, it definitely seems like they're not free because these people have like a whole constellation of attributes and desires, and it looks like they're aiming all their endeavors in one direction. In which case, it would seem like they're not free. But if, for instance, I just held out both my hands left and right and I said, I want you to pick which one the, you think the coin is in, I think it's very hard to suggest why that isn't a free choice, the hand you choose. No, I'd, actually, I think they have done experiments w with setups like that where they show that, like, they put them in an MRI or something, and they show that the, the, the choice is actually made, like, several seconds before the person says that they, was... they are consciously aware of it. It was Benjamin LeBay and it was uh, an EEG, so it was a cap with electrodes on their brain. And yeah, he did show that when people were, the, the time at which people thought they made the free choice, the experimenters were able to predict that they would make that choice then moments before. I so it, it did. It, it's, it's one that Sam Harris alludes to anyway, and it, and it definitely seems to undermine the free will argument because these scientists were able to predict when you would make your free choice, which seems like an oxymoron. But I think that if you're like the coin in the hand thing, it, mm -hmm. it's not, it's still not a free choice in the sense, like it, it's a, it's a choice that your mind has given you based on the evidence in front of it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're not going to, like you're given an option of two things and you have to ultimately guess where the coin is, but it's always going to be an educated guess. So it's always going to be based on some kind of, um, like some kind of thought process that has already entered your head before you. But can it's even... very easy. But it's very easy to imagine a 50 50 choice that both options are equally probabilistic. Yeah, but the, the way that it comes into your head in the first place, like I don't think that you have any real control over that. It's your brain like examining the evidence and then you know uh, propagating the thought for you but but even if you if you didn't um sorry i lost my train of thought again
One of the things that I uh, say in response to the free will argument is, um, I, and I don't have the stats here, so like, forgive me, but there's a bridge in the United States that was red, it was painted red, and people would go there to commit suicide, and after they painted the bridge blue, the number of people committing suicide dropped really dramatically, like a, a few hundred percent. Um, and it's in some way linked to the different reactions that your brain has when it sees red and when it sees blue. And just if you think about how something like that can in, can influence a decision such as ending your life, like a decision that you would make with such finality and such precision, uh, but the color of the bridge makes you think differently about it and change your mind. Like that's I, I don't really see how free will can exist in a world where something like that happens. And that's interesting because I don't see how that plays any role into a free will argument. Like um, there used to be ovens that they'd sell and used to be able to set the gas off with the door open. Yeah, that's right. In and the, then loads of people were committing suicide. Exactly. And people were committing suicide. I think Sylvia Plath may have committed suicide like that. So they got rid of that and the, the suicide level dropped considerably. Yeah, exactly. But I don't see what that has to do with free will. I, I guess I because the the idea yeah because the idea is relevant to the options available to them, and I, I mean I, I I would see that as kind of the same thing is like the presence of the oven in the room increases the likelihood of suicide and therefore it can't be something that they decide by themselves it's a it's a decision that their brain has come to based on observation of the room or, or whatever. And, and the same way the bridge thing is like, here's a, here's a, here's a blue bridge now. Oh, I, I don't want to kill myself anymore. Well, like, why did that thought enter my head? I don't know. Like I'm having Chinese for dinner tonight and there is nothing that can change my mind. And I don't know how the idea popped into my head. And I've been thinking about it ever since. And it's not, obviously that's a terrible example, but it's something that I, um, because I, I don't believe in free will, Anytime I get an idea like that, I try and examine it and try and figure out why it would be that I think that way. Well, you know, it, it's just I just don't feel like those ideas come into my head naturally. But can can I just say something? Um, even if you were doing something that that didn't feel like a choice, like the the example with the, you know which hand is the coin in, um, at some point. Like if you were to backtrack from the signal that activated your hand to point on, on you know, left or right, mm -hmm. like it would diverge and like it, it, it's a crazy complexity, but, but it comes from somewhere, not, not from one place, but from a billion mm -hmm. places. And maybe if, if you hadn't had an ice cream three days later, you would have picked the left one instead of the right one, yeah. like, mm -hmm. se seemingly unrelated, but it's just all, all the little sums, uh, uh, you know, sum together uh, in your brain. And uh, especially when, when you're making a choice where you're not thinking, I think it's just, it's not, it's not random. It's just uh, whatever it happens to, to end up as. Yeah, but isn't it so strange that from like an intuitive point of view, the choice feels completely free? Unless someone has a gun to your yeah. head or unless you have a preponderance for right over left or whatever. It, it's such a strange phenomenon that we, we feel so free. Like all experience is for free will, but all evidence is against it. You know what I mean? I yeah. think it's just fascinating. It is. It's, it's utterly convincing. I, I, I am like I've been against the idea of free will for forever. And I, I don't feel any less that I have free will. 
you know, it, it's I am. If I were to only trust my experiences, I would be utterly convinced that yeah, mm-hmm. of course I have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess that I mean, experience like an experience of having a choice. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be different from other experiences, right? It's just mm-hmm. uh, it's just some kind of pattern in our brain. Uh, so like, like who who better to fool us than than our own brains? Yeah, and I, you've actually convinced me uh, from that discussion that AGI could indeed go through the, the go through the the, the process of, of making amazing art and not be conscious. Like I I, I can actually see no, that of course it could. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that it couldn't, but I'm saying how intelligent would something be if it spends weeks to months doing something that's ultimately not that important to anyone who doesn't consciously appreciate it well, when what it if, could be doing other things well, what if it's for what if it's something that is observed by an alien civilization that does visit and like it in some way is put there to enhance their opinion of us or, or something like that like if there were some kind of long-term benefit to having really good art as opposed to but then it still comes down to subjective appreciation of it that's the aliens true that but it, yeah that yeah Ultimately, there's I, no point in doing something like that unless there's going to be subjective appreciation. I, I think you're both anthropomorphizing a bit, because I think no matter how intelligent you are, you can still have basically any arbitrary desire, because I don't think desires are necessarily intellectual. I mean, uh, humans can desire all kinds of weird things that from an objective standpoint is, is you know, nothing special. But won't the AGI be objective? Not necessarily. Obje- uh, what What do you mean by objective? Like, won't it? Do, like, it's not going to do things that are logically or uh, deductively bad choices. Well, it's not a bad choice if your if your like basic drive or desire is to make paintings, even if you don't, you know, uh, appreciate them. Surely that is a bad choice to do something that ultimately takes a lot of time and isn't worth the effort at the end because you don't appreciate it. But if it's what you want no, to do... No, no, not, not, if it, not if that is the thing you want to do in the first place, right? Yeah. I mean, so the, then he is appreciating it. I, I think well, you, that depend, that's, that's my point. That depends if it's conscious or not. I guess. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think you can appreciate something unless you're conscious. No, me neither. Mm-hmm. So this would have to be an unconscious, uh, you know, just machine mm-hmm. that was painting without feeling. But that's what I mean, though. Surely it's a really bad decision for an unconscious being to spend weeks to months doing an activity that it's not going to experience. What if it has free time? Like, and I, and I mean that in the like, it's completed all of its pre-programmed tasks. It doesn't really know what to do with itself, so it just does. But that. surely, then, from an energy point of view, energy output, it's still a bad decision. Mm. No, I mean, I, I I don't see that because the question if if is this a good decision or not. If your basic drive is to make paintings, then then that's how you answer the, that question, right? Does this help me make paintings? Because that's my drive. That's what I want to do. Imagine if, like we humans, we have sex drives. Imagine that an AI has a similar drive except towards uh, making paintings. Mm. Though I guess on some level that, that has to do with consciousness. Mm. It, it's really hard. To, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to to dif- kind of differentiate mind from consciousness. 
Yeah. I, I don't think you can. Yeah, I, 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 I well, I, I think it's impossible, but I, I don't. I, I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, not a very strong thinker in that way. I'm not at all sure that it's possible, but, but I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Because, you know, mm. because we, we, we really are just so in the dark when it comes mm-hmm, to consciousness. Mm-hmm. I, I don't th- I don't know what you can say about it at all. Um, the reason I don't think consciousness is amenable to science is because science deals with definitions. And I think the essence of consciousness is lost if you try to define it. Like, for instance, if you try to define the color red to a blind person, would they have any idea what you're talking about? I don't think they would. In the same way that if you were trying to uh, define your conscious perception to someone else who doesn't have that conscious perception, are they suddenly able to have the conscious perception that you're describing? I don't think they will. And because of that, I don't think for some reason, like I think consciousness is like the weirdest, most paranormal phenomenon. But I don't think it's amenable to science because we can't define it objectively to the point where we could allow someone else to understand it merely by describing it. Uh, I I feel exactly the same, but there's this one thing uh, that I was mentioning before that, that makes me think that it, it could be in the reach of science. And that is that, I mean, basically all, all our thoughts, they are in some way physically represented in our brains, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when we think about, when, when we ponder the fact that we are conscious, then somehow information has actually, you know, crossed mm-hmm. over from consciousness to to the physical brain exactly yeah and it's so it is an interface yeah so but if it can interface with physical reality then isn't it by definition part of physical reality mm-hmm. which, which makes no sense on the other hand because consciousness is so obviously not physical mm-hmm. there you go the, yeah the only conclusion i have to that problem is to put all my emphasis and weight on the conscious as opposed to the physical <laughs> which is a st- yeah, scary guess, thing to do but at least I, I, I feel it's consistent that does make sense but but my, my brain won't let me do that I, yeah, I, I, like yeah. to, I like to have a reality <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. just to uh, move a little bit past that but also encompass everything that we just said um, the end point of an AGI civilization, what can we imagine that would be like? Um, like, like what what are they striving for? Um, like, are they so like the end game for humanity ultimately is to find a new place to live? Um, we can't live on Earth forever. We know that it's going to be over at some point. Um, so presumably AGI will have the exact same um, prerogative. So will. Uh, galactic colonization is that where they're going to take us i i think personally that the only you know the only goal that is is like a a, a worthwhile goal is is, you know the proliferation of consciousness Um, so i guess uh, the ultimate civilization would be one of just you know endless forms of consciousness you know just some place where you know it's kind of like like a garden with a lot of different plants you know not not necessarily even like you wouldn't necessarily need to have uh, some kind of ego like we do you could have all kinds of strange forms of consciousness uh, but just yeah I, I don't see how anything but consciousness could be the end goal 
Mm. Now, everything else is kind of a means to an end to, to, to make that happen and to, to make it keep happening. Do you agree with that, John? Yeah. Like, I, I'm honestly as blown away by the idea of consciousness as I was when I first kind of encountered it and thought about it. I just think it's the craziest thing ever. The fact that this physical, like what we'd consider physical reality creates something that's phenomenal, uh, subjective and conscious. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just can't get my head around it. It's, it's baffling. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I just think it's incredible mm. in every way. Yeah. Um, the, the garden analogy was quite nice, actually. The fact that, uh, or the, the possibility that, that there could be variations of consciousness. I think there's absolutely no reason to think that wouldn't be the case, you know. Yeah. Um, but but uh, this is just fascinating. Like, it still, to this day, fascinates me. Um, there's, there's one more thing that I want to hit before we end it, and that is, um, Jonathan, you wanted to talk about the idea of, of surveillance in, a, in, in pre-singularity technology. Yeah, I, I guess we touched upon it a little bit with the, the whole North Korea thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just something that, uh, that worries me a lot. Because we have these drones now uh, that are becoming, you know, more and more powerful and more and more cheap to build. Uh, you know, AI is getting to the point where I can see, like within 20 years, uh, you know, some kind of systems that could manage it for us. And so, like, like for the first time ever, it's like we, the possibility of a truly, uh, truly um, totalitarian society is is actually achievable. And yeah. That is that is really scary. Like, what what do you do? Like, say say we start getting drones because it's good against crime you know people feel safe it's great um, but then they use that against us and uh, when you have such a system of control like uh, how are you going to break that as soon as someone corrupts it i feel like it's over have you have either of you seen the episode of black mirror with the um, there's like these electronic bees uh, flying around in England that the government created because there were no actual bees left. And yeah. Yeah, so, so someone finds a way to hack the bees and, and basically target people that they don't like um, for, for a completely irrational agenda. Um, that, like, Black Mirror in general seems like... To, it, it obviously takes a very sinister look at existing technology um, but that kind of idea I don't think it'll be electronic bees but just the fact that killer drones exist and there are already systems in place used by multinational corporations that are run entirely by AI um, KLM Airlines their customer service is artificial intelligence if you go on there to contact customer support, you were talking to a robot, and it's mm. it's it's diverse, it's authentic, it's very good at finding out what your problem is and and doing its best to help you with it. Um, so like uh, someone using an automated service like that to control an army of drones, when you know you have hundreds of thousands of drones, like that definitely mm. makes sense as a thing that someone can do, um, and and that someone would do, right? So it like that mm -hmm. is a serious 
And I, I think that the thing that scares me the most is that I also think we need this. Like, uh, I was very against surveillance. You know, uh, I think Snowden is uh, like a great guy, uh, all that stuff. And I don't really like surveillance. You know, I like privacy. I don't yeah. like uh, the the potential for for corruption and, and totalitarianism. But on the other hand. I can see that like as technology progresses, our society will become more and more vulnerable to like small groups or even individuals. Uh, say with uh, bioengineering, if you make a, a virus that is very potent, that is um, you know designed to kill, but it, it also has a really long incubation time. Uh, how do we protect ourselves as a society from a lone maniac who just wants to end it all? And I, mm. like we can't react we have to i, I feel yeah. like so, surveillance is the only solution <laughs> but it's a huge problem in itself because it's so easy for it to become corrupted exactly i think um i've thought about that recently and the conclusion i came to i think is what jonathan alluded to there in the end there was a time when say a lone gunman would maybe he wouldn't be surveyed uh, and he would kind of go off the chart and shoot a few people, but the kind of damage that he could inflict would be quite limited. But now there seems to be an almost limitless capacity for uh, catastrophe and, and, and dangerous acts. And unless we survey people, it's, it's hard to see how we could predict these things sometimes and, and prevent them. So I think the time has passed, unfortunately, where we can get away with not surveying people. But... I, I, it's regrettable, you know what I mean? I'm the same. I'd love to, I'd love to have privacy. I'd love to have a, a function in place that's not susceptible to abuse by potentially totalitarian regimes. But I don't know if, if we're past the point of no return anymore. I, I kind of... So obviously it's it's sinister conclusion that we're alluding to now with the drones and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's terrible. Surveillance in general, though, I'm not actually against it. I'm not against the NSA existing. Um, I, like, I, I do think that what Snowden did was important because I think it's important for people to know the degree to which they're being surveilled, even if that's counterintuitive. Mm. But I, I, I'm not against the idea of it in general. I, and I actually wish that it was better than it than it is because there was that guy, um, the most recent biggest mass shooting in America... As of the time recording this, who was actually on a government list, he wasn't allowed to buy a gun, but he still managed to buy one anyway, because uh, whatever happened, somebody messed up along the way. Um, mm. Like if we had better surveillance, if the NSA did their job better, and if, if the government mm. had stronger you know, awareness of their own uh, system, then that wouldn't have happened. And I think that that's a good thing. And I, I think, uh, I, I don't think that the drop in... Um, violent crime and the rise in surveillance is a coincidence and I, I think it's mm. important that we continue to do that um, but obviously I am against Killer Jones you know being sicked upon us by a, a dictator it's just how do you how do you figure that out like it's, it's not really possible right like you're gonna have um, you're gonna have to have I, like I guess the, the one thing you could say that there's a lot of hysteria surrounding Donald Trump um, I don't think that he is a fascist. I don't think that he's Hitler. Um, but even if you did think that, the fact that he's not able to pass anything, like he has to use the executive mm. branch to do everything, like that—that's one case of 
like the system actually being used to its mm. correct potential, right? Because he couldn't come in and just do all of these things. Even the things that he said he did, he didn't actually do because he couldn't get the proper um, he couldn't get the proper sign offs from the relevant people. So like it's not you know But but the reason he can't do that is because the system is made up of people, right? And if you if you can get through that and only use uh, you know technology, then you don't have that any longer. And uh, like yeah, we're not going to replace politicians and um, administrators, but would you need to like you, if you have if you control all of the violence, you know all of the automated violence in the form of you know automated uh, killer drones then you don't need anyone's approval. You don't need to go through the proper channels. Say if one hacker yeah. just took, took control of everything, after that, it's like, a, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. No one can do anything. That's true. That's, and like, That's the scary part. And sadly, uh, you know, if we're going by history, it's going to take somebody to actually do that before we do anything to stop it do you know what i mean like we're gonna have to see that happen before we think of that as a possibility to happen so it's like yeah, but but once it has happened it, i don't see how we could uh, yeah exactly how we could stop it and also like all these organizations you know the nsa and so on um i don't doubt that they, they're doing you know what they're doing f for you know the greater good mm -hmm. but but part of of like an, a necessity for them is to to keep secrecy, right? If they are a transparent organization, then they can't do their job. Mm. So yeah. they, they need to have secrecy, but, but that's also, you know, secret organizations who have a lot mm. of information on everyone else. That, that's a good breeding ground for corruption. Yeah, definitely. What, what I was thinking of there, just to go back a couple of thoughts about the surveillance program and that, and trying to weigh it up logically as to the, the benefits and the risks, it seems like it's, it's far too difficult to think of all the benefits because we don't really hear about all the terror attacks that were stopped because of intelligence about you yeah. know what i mean these sorts of things because oftentimes that'll draw attention to perhaps the channels they're using to identify such attacks um, and i just think from an epistemological point of view it's very hard to come to a logical conclusion about trying to weigh the pros and cons because the pros of surveillance are the things you don't hear about, you don't see. You know what I mean? They're the times where it pulled through and it stopped the mass shooting, it stopped the massacre, it stopped the terrorist, it stopped this. And oftentimes that's unreported because it could give away too much of their uh, their, their channels by by reporting it, if that makes sense. Yeah, if someone is breaking into your house every single night and um, you put a man, in, in a, a big muscly guy at the front of your door and no one breaks into mm. your house anymore, there's no way of saying if they just stop doing it or if they're not breaking mm. in because the man is there. So it's like, mm -hmm. you can't, you, yeah, you, it's just really hard. All of that stuff happens in the dark and there's no mm -hmm. way of quantifying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think basically we have to have surveillance, but that just... Like how how to how for for a society to survive without surveillance, that w I would mm -hmm. say is a completely intractable problem, mm -hmm. at least as technology progresses. Yeah. But w when we solve that problem, we create another problem that it's not intractable, but it's almost intractable. And that is how do we not, you know, the system how how does it not get corrupted? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah, like that that, that is a, a serious possibility with the way that we're going. Yeah. And especially like now, like as we are starting to approach the singularity and people in power might, you know, they're aware of this whole winner takes all scenario. And they think, you know, oh, I have to stop everyone else from doing that. I, I have to be the, the God Emperor. So, I mean, that's a great uh, motivation to, to establish a totalitarian regime. Yeah, mm. uh, it, it, that often is the way they're established too. Yeah, I guess like usually it's about fear of what other other people will do if yeah. you don't have the power. Well, um, I think we're gonna end the podcast here. Um, I think we kind of hit like most of the points that we wanted to. Um, so I just want to say a huge thanks, Jonathan, for coming on. Uh, this was an excellent conversation. Um, and like for the first time for that being a first appearance on a podcast like that was like I, I'm really really happy with how this went so just thanks a lot for your time well, I was happy to come on and, nice uh, to meet you yeah likewise um, so yeah good night everyone <laughs> alright good night So there you have it, folks. It turns out it was artificial intelligence all along. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you have any questions or follow-up questions or anything that 
came out of your mind during the conversation, um, let me know. Leave a comment on YouTube or tweet me or tweet the Midnight Hour or leave a comment on the Reddit page, which is reddit.com slash r slash Midnight Hour. Um, yeah, leave, leave anything, you know, any uh, thoughts that you have. If there's anything that you want us to expand on a little bit more, uh, please do let us know because we're more than happy to accommodate requests such as that. Um, the song closing the episode is Zombie by the Cranberries, obviously, um, you know. Uh, for, for obvious reasons, it's really sad that Dolores O'Riordan died and uh, Zombie is just a class song. Um, I heard on the radio the Cranberries were described as Ireland's second most important cultural export. Um, I don't know if I agree, but as I thought of different things, different bands and uh, different things exported from Ireland culturally, um, I found it hard to disagree in this particular moment. Um, they were incredibly popular back in the 90s, and this was one of the most played songs of 1994, which is a year that featured tracks like Smells Like Teen Spirit, uh, Live Forever by Oasis, uh, like the you know Pearl Jam like there's a lot of uh, a lot of great songs that year so it's it's um, you know certainly a testament to how strong the ratings for this song were when it first came out but anyways that's the end of the episode obviously I really hope you guys enjoyed it as always and uh, yeah feel free to hit me up all the relevant links are in the description obviously uh, check out my wrestling podcast as well links for that down there too all right we'll see you next week peace <laughs>